0: Good morning. good morning. An abbot would come into the monastery every morning and the monks would be sitting there and the abbot would chant, good morning. And all the monks would chant back. Good morning. They were tired monks. And, and this would go on day after day, week after week, month after month. It became rather boring for Brother Zachary who was sitting back in the corner. And one evening the abbot came in and chanted, good morning. And this lone voice in the back of the monastery chanted, good evening. And the abbot did not lose his composure. And he responded, someone chanted evening. Laughter <laughs> Make a couple of observations. You know, I'm a member of your community and yet don't get a chance to spend all that much time with you. But I Priscilla and I are gonna make more of a conscious effort of being here on a more regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. You inspire us. Inspiration comes from two Latin words. Inspiritu. It means to lift the spirits. And your goodness, your kindness, your gentleness are just inspiring. Thank you. I want to reflect a couple of things back. One, Karina, you said, well, we said this a couple of years at uh, Winter, Winter Festival weekend. Um, I suggest that you pray that our Father, each time that this community gathers, it's just so powerful that it needs to be repeated over and over and over again. We've become so enchanted with what's new and innovative. I'm not, I haven't said anything that's new. Everything that I said these last five days, you already knew. I just reminded you of, of your goodness. I don't think we should always be so concerned about what's new as what is true. And you spoke the truth with love. Rich, I've only seen a, a singer with a guitar be moved. To tears, and the whole group was silent and moved by your compassion last night. What a great witness to your love. What a great witness to your commitment. The only other person I saw do that, Bruce Springsteen. Bruce was doing his performance in Milwaukee, and Priscilla and I, our daughters, bought us tickets for our anniversary, and there was the boss. And he comes out on stage by himself, and he said, listen, if you give me your full attention, I'll give you the best show I got in me. And people just kind of quieted down, and then he was called forth, like we all are. And then he gets to a point, he said, I'm a recovering Catholic. (laughs) I've come back to my faith. And he talked about growing up. And one half of his family was Irish Catholic. The other half was Italian Catholic. They lived across the street, of course. And he talked about those both family dynamics and what it's been meant to him at, later in his life to come back and, to his faith, to meet Christ. And then he began, the whole audience, he said, and I've been focusing a great deal on thinking about Jesus. And he starts to play his song, Jesus Was an Only Son and he played a few chords and a few notes, and then he just had to drop his head and wipe his tears. All tears are sacred. But they're only shared where we feel the movement of the Spirit. Well, this was the experience of the early church Last night when we sat at the plan, Patty said, do you have any scriptures? And I said, well, I think, I think that it's important that you choose these scriptures because this is your community of faith, your community of faith that's been praying together. You know what scriptures speak to this group. And The two scriptures that are spoken today were from Acts of the Apostles and from Hebrews, Acts of the Apostles. It's extraordinary in the history of Christianity that we're even here. At the death of Jesus, he had 11 apostles. And let's face it, they were shaky at best. (laughs) Really. Judas had been led into despair and takes his own life. There's 11 and they're, they're afraid. They lock themselves in a room. There's about 20 other disciples, people who have been following Jesus. So it's a whole group of about 30 people of committed followers that are there. And they're very much under the oppression of Rome and their own religious leaders. and So as they received the Spirit, they were moved into action. That's the acts of the Apostles. And here were their acts. And it is happening here in this group. Gather the folks, break the bread, and tell the stories. And for all our, over the 25, 20, 25 years that you've been involved here in Family Festival, summer splash in the weekends, continue to gather the folks, break the bread, and tell the stories. It's extraordinary. It's community in a way that many of our friends Never experience. We are a culture in which people are busy and bored at the same time. Why is Facebook so popular? Because it's tapping into a very deep need in the culture to belong. When I work with college-age people, and you have young people that are going to go point, going to college. The greatest malady of every college student is loneliness. Do I have anything to offer? Does anybody know me? Where am I welcome? Jean Vanier understood this. And he writes beautifully about community. Vanier writes this. Community is one of the most beautiful realities. Brothers and sisters loving and being together It's also one of the most difficult to accomplish. Living together is difficult for human beings. Goldfish seem to manage it. You rarely see head-on collisions. Cows seem to manage all right in the same pasture, at least until the bull comes along. But put ten men together in a house and very quickly you have a hotel. Put ten women together, you have problems. Though these are nothing compared to the problems when you put five men and five women together. Once together, we very quickly start to squabble. We each want more than the others. We get aggressive because one of our number irritates us. Tensions rise, and then everyone starts to be very polite to hide their fear of the tensions. And you can sense the coldness as people slide down the hall, not daring to look at each other for fear of an explosion or bury their head in a book when another goes past. And yet, as soon as you go into some homes, you can sense a peace, an openness, a welcome in the meaning of the eyes and the smile that communicates without words. Few people seem to know the laws of community. Community takes a long time to form. It takes a long time for barriers to drop, for mutual confidence to grow, for nonverbal communication to become more important than words. A community is only a community when most of the people in it have made the passage from the community for me to me, for the community. A community is only a community when most of the people in it are conscientiously trying to seek the fulfillment, the peace, and the happiness of every other member. That's who you are. All of you left busy lives and all kinds of responsibility, but your dedication is to gather with this group of people. So is it, how is it that I might bless you, Mark? And Mark, you've been blessing other people and other people's children all week long. I've seen it and I've listened to it. Community, it may have been started when Mary Larson brought a case of Coke to the Marble family. Community, Betsy's dad bringing donuts to coworkers to make them know that they were cherished. Steve and Ginny, meeting Pete at St. Pat's so many years ago and then making that trick from Illinois to northern Minnesota to be with their friends and rejoin a community. Ginger Larson, encouraging her sons to play beautiful music so that all we, can, we could all enjoy this years later. Community, when Paul Harmon said yes the first time to Darby McDonald to play tennis with kids, (laughs) and he's still playing with kids. Tim Gallagher saying yes to a ski trip that led to an engagement, a lifelong partner, and a commitment to the common good. Darby McDonald coming to Washburn community so many years ago and many of your lives will never be the same. Small, acts of sharing life, small acts of nurturing joy, small acts of meeting Jesus. Mother Teresa said do not be concerned about doing great things. Do small things with great love I saw that this morning, Mike, at breakfast when you carefully mashed up those peaches and put them together with the oatmeal to feed that beautiful little daughter of yours. As you spoke with love and kindness about your wife and the miracle of life that she brought into your life two different times and you recognized her strength and her commitment. I've seen that when I saw dads holding a child with one arm and a plate of food with the next, and then smiling and having a conversation with someone else. And I said, Where else does this happen? People late at night walking hand in hand with their spells for life, just having praised Jesus and watch Paul announce holy foolishness. Small acts. Community is what we all hunger for. But you have to want it as much as everything else. (laughs) I just uh, kind of always amazed when people say, well, I I don't go to church anymore because I don't get anything out of it. When was it all about you? (laughs) I, I grew up in a church in which there were always, you know, I'm always watching the other adults. Well, now it's my turn. Not to upset myself because Sunday morning on CBS is really pretty good. But to be there so that other people's children might see an older man and his wife praying and holding hands at the Our Father, offering hospitality, trying to live out the gospel that's been faithfully handed on to myself a hunger for community. And that's what Jesus understood, and that's what the Acts of the Apostles continued. When they broke bread together, they sat around the table and they looked and they saw who was there and who wasn't, and who wasn't there, they brought their bread to them. Well, you hear the great term evangelization. I got a great definition for evangelization for you. Evangelization was where one hungry person tells another hungry person where I got my bread. And the power of of our summer splash, the power of this group is that once you leave and disperse to other places in Minnesota and even Illinois, you've been fed and therefore you will feed others, your co-workers and neighbors and family members, who too hunger for a taste of the spirit. Community. I told you a story about my brother Jamie yesterday, he's rather rather a simple man, he would join the Amish if they would allow for whiskey and chew. Uh, He's a member of the Amish community, quite honestly, when they have a barn raising they invite him along because they need somebody who has a truck who can go and get materials when they run out, and then after the barn raising they always put him at the head table, they invite him to their weddings because he's got beautiful purple lilacs and if you bring some lilacs, would would you please come? And he has an Amish wedding hat, quite honestly. He's become a member of this community. Well, when the Packers were in the playoffs against the Cowboys, my brother's a very avid Packer fan, he has a chimney fire in the first quarter. His wood stove, you know, is a chimney, so he has to call the volunteer fire department, and pretty soon he's got 20 pickup trucks in his, in his yard. And these guys are coming in and they're trying to put out this chimney fire. And uh, there's soot and smoke all over the place. And they finally get it out and they all stood around the TV and watched the final two minutes. (laughs) And then they got back in their trucks and they left. And there he is in a house where it's full of smoke and soot. And three Amish buggies come down the road. Two of them have food. And the third buggy, his neighbor David said, Here, we're, we're here to help you clean up. He said, Well, I'll call the insurance company and we'll, no need to do this on a Sunday night. And David said, Well, listen, it's so dirty and you come and stay at our house. And he, Jamie said, I can't. He said, Because a chimney fire could start up. And his neighbor David said, Well, then I'll stay with you. You can't stay alone. And I tell that story, and don't we all hunger for those kinds of experiences? Neighbors of that sort? You're Amish and you don't even know it. Because when one of you is in trouble, when one of you is suffering, you all show up. You carry each other in prayer, you acknowledge each other's children. You know the burdens that each of you carries and you love each other. It's the Acts of the Apostles. And that's why this group has grown from a small little prayer group to all of a sudden lives are being transformed and the gospel is being being lived out because people know where they're being fed. A second story. Um, Those of us who are older parents have to remind younger parents that you have beautiful children and as hard as you try, you cannot protect them because they too have tender souls. You can't protect them from what other kids might say to them at school. You can't protect them from what they might experience within a culture. One of the worst things that happens for any parent is that that something would happen to your child. Isn't it true? You'd rather have it happen to yourself. Well, our youngest has a, has, a, has a sensitive soul. She's a beautiful child. And I want to just tell you how our, your prayer affected us. I told you this privately, but I'm going to proclaim it publicly. One time when Karina was praying, she said this beautiful prayer when we're going to leave God, please send your angels to protect us, to, to surround our cars as we travel down the highway and protect us from every evil. Please protect other drivers as well so we all may travel safely. And our daughter was distressed and she got in a car and we didn't know where she was going and I didn't know what to do and I prayed, dear God, send your angels to protect her. Send your angels to surround her. Protect others who were on the highway. She was in an accident but she was not harmed. Thank you. So, so it was difficult. And uh, when she got to be a sophomore in college, she went off to Sweden by herself, study abroad, wanted to get away. But I had a sense it was probably getting away from us, from me, a little bit of tension. You know, all of us, we need space, don't we? at certain times, and she chose to go to Sweden really quite interesting though, the place she was in Sweden, the last time had a violent crime was 1938, so I felt pretty calm. <laughs> she, was, she, she was pretty well taken care of. Well, she comes home in her senior year, um, and she says, I'm going to run a marathon in La Crosse, the first marathon that was going to be held in La Crosse. Her older sister had run a marathon, and I think she felt she had something to prove to herself, and something she had to prove to, to us. The strength that she had developed. Because as much as you love your children, you can't do it for them, can you? They have to develop their own strength. They have to face their own fears as we face ours. We can be there to support them. But you pray to God that they find that strength within themselves to move forward. So she comes home, and she's going to run, and we want to be there. Unfortunately, Priscilla's dad has a heart attack about three weeks previous to this. And he's in the hospital, her sister flies from Denver, where her sister is a nurse, and her sister takes care of Dad, and then her sister has to go back and says, uh, we're coming down to, to see you, Dad wants to see you, and it's on the same day as the marathon. How many times did I miss missed things that she was involved in? How many times was my work more important? How many times wasn't I there, and I wanted to be there? But Grandpa Norm is coming. And I need to see Grandpa Norm as well. So we, the marathon begins, and we're down there, and uh, we're going we're to stay as long as we can. And we see her at the three-mile mark, and she's running. Way to go, Danielle, way to go. See her at six miles. Okay, honey, you're looking good, looking good. See her at nine miles. Okay, dear, you're doing it. See her at 12 miles. Keep it up, Daniel. Keep it up. See her at 15 miles. Okay, honey. Okay, come on. Keep going. She's fading. And we have to leave. Grandpa Norm's coming. How is she going to do And our older daughter, who had run marathons, put herself right at the 18-mile mark because she knew that's when you start hitting the wall. Danielle walks over and says, I can't go any further. And our oldest daughter takes off her sweatshirt, throws it to her boyfriend, and throws her car keys and says, nonsense, you've come too far. You're not quitting now. Let's go. And for the next eight miles, stride for stride, sister with sister, you can do this. This is yours. You've come too far. Don't quit now. I'm so proud of you. We love you. She finishes. She gets a medal and a t-shirt. And she knows she's loved. And that's why in Hebrews it says, encourage each other. It comes from two Latin words, fill each other's heart. So, brothers and sisters, when you go back, who's running with you? Who's speaking into your ear? You've come too far. Don't give up. Come on. Who are you running with? There's so much that wants to discourage people, but it's the power of encouragement that moves us forward. And I would like to tell you this in terms of your children, they need encouragement. I don't think any of us have any idea the anxiety and the pressure on young people in high school or in college. And to think that we have any understanding of what it's like to be 20 today, we're fooling ourselves. But I do know this. Every young people, person I know has that urge for goodness and that goodness needs to be encouraged and strengthened and recognized. Finally... Um, this is a story that I, that I tell at the end of each of my presentations. It was a story that was given to me. I believe that everything I've done in my life has just been gift, has just been gift. All those people who have made sacrifices on my behalf so that I can have the life that I have, people come up and say, you know, oh, Tom, thank you for, I couldn't do any of this without Priscilla, you know that. And I wanna thank you so much for welcoming Priscilla and making her feel a part of this community. You know, sometimes it's very painful. I mean, the same thing in church when you play music, isn't it right, Rich? People come up and tell you, and they forget about all those people that made your practicing possible. All of us, our lives are predicated on the service of other people who have gone before us. I mean, you think about all the good work that's been done here today. I mean, who went and picked up that Penske truck? Who loaded all the inflatables? Who put away the slip and slide last night? Who's gonna, who, there was Ginger sweeping in the back last night in terms of the popcorn after the snacks. She smiled and she said, it's just like home. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? All of our lives predicated on the service of other people. So all my life has, has been a gift. And right now, my gift is just to be invited to groups and remind people of good. I, like I said, I'm an ambassador for goodness. And so whenever I get invited, I, I go And if God is everywhere, God is everywhere. So I get an opportunity to hear a summer splash. But later this week, I'll be at a human service agency. I'll be working with a credit union. I'll be working with an insurance company. This fall, I'm going to be speaking to the auto haulers of America. (laughs) It's all God's people. So I got invited to Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio two years ago. Brook Army Medical Center is where our wounded warriors from Iraq and Afghanistan have gone, a goal for their prosthetics. How many people here have sent family members to Iraq and Afghanistan in the last 20 years? Thank you so very much because when we send a soldier, we send a family and we have yet to repay our families for your sacrifice, thank you. Thank you for your service. So I went to Brook Army Medical Center and they said we'll send somebody to the airport to pick you up so I got all dressed up like a speaker. Had my shirt and my tie on, had my overcoat over my arms. It was March. I had my Viterbo bag by my feet, hoping somebody in the airport would recognize me. I looked rather odd standing there. It was 95 degrees Uh, in San Antonio. Everybody else was in shorts and T-shirts. Finally, a guy in flip-flops walks up and said, you just get off the plane from Minneapolis? I said, yes. He says, looks like it. (laughs) He said, are you Tom? I said, yes. He says, looks like it. Follow me. I'm your ride. But as I was standing there in the airport, I was watching people. And I saw a young man, 21, 22 tops, hair cut short, wearing a gray T-shirt and blue shorts. On a gray T-shirt was emblazoned army. And because he's in T-shirt and shorts, I could see that his right arm was missing. His left leg was a metal prosthetic. His left hand was on the handle of a stroller. And with great difficulty, he was trying to push his infant son through the airport and was becoming frustrated because he could not get the stroller to go where he wanted it to go. And then a young woman, 21, 22 tops, who I imagine just a year previously had said, in sickness and health and good times and bad, till death to us part, I do, walked up to her husband put her arm around his waist, put her right hand on the handle of the stroller of the infant son, smiled and with love said, Let's push together. It's just too hard pushing alone. Let's push together. It's just too hard pushing alone. That's what I've experienced here these last five days. People join with each other. I watch you greet each other with love. I watch you put your arm around each other with friendship. I see you encouraging and reaching out and affirming each other and each other's children, and I know that I'm in the presence of the living God. I know that Jesus lives. I know that all of us have been fed. Good work, hard work, noble work, holy work. Thank you. Thank you for doing it so well. Thank you.